Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. This is a HeadGum Podcast. Welcome to the first ever, so it's the inaugural, yeah. uh, We Hate Movies Fall Winter Preview. Uh, I'm Andrew Jupin alongside Chris Cabin. We are in the studio to talk about uh, the upcoming fall-winter film slate. Yeah. Uh, uh, between the two of us, um, Chris and I have been back and forth to screenings at uh, the Toronto International Film Festival and the New York Film Festival. Um so we've we've seen some stuff. Mm-hmm. We've liked some stuff. Couple things. We've disliked some stuff. Couple things. Uh, <laughs> uh, and just to give you folks a little preview of things coming down the line, we thought we'd try this out. And also, the reason for this is as we hate movies continues to uh, uh, expand our uh, body of work, mm-hmm. let's say, uh, and as we're moving into yeah the oeuvre, and just just sort of like. Uh, dipping our fingers into different areas of uh, film-related conversation as the as the enterprise expands. One of the things we hope to do is talk uh, about more recent films uh, and also offer you some conversations about stuff that's not uh, total trash. Yeah, that would be nice. Right? Uh, so, uh, so every now and again, uh, we hope to bring you stuff like this and then uh, ramp up this uh, this uh, this little endeavor even further. So uh, that's why we're doing it. So I guess to get into it, um, technically, by the way, this is a, a, a Titch late, uh, only yeah. because the big like fall season, as it were, um, also known to some as awards season, mm-hmm. maybe uh, that sort of kicked off uh, this past Friday with A Star Is Born. Yeah, that's like the big one. Uh, that was that was like, dude, that was all the talk at Toronto well, when, I, when I was there. Was I, like, yo, yo, you see Lady Gaga in that <laughs> movie yet? And I was like, no, I didn't, man. Yeah. Uh, and for me, when I go to Toronto, I try to skip some of the big stuff like that, unless mm. I'm like really looking for something uh, big. If I'm really excited about something, like I fucking saw Halloween, mm. uh, which I've been saying on the air for weeks now, and I'll say it here too. It's it's great. Jamie Lee Curtis is awesome. Uh, David Gordon Green and Danny McBride churned out one hell of a movie. It's a lot of fun. It's also really funny. Um, cool. I mean, is, I assume with Danny McBride. Yeah, you, it, dude, you, you can you can fucking sniff. His uh, participation out like nobody's business. But do you uh, do you stop? Do you like back away from those just because you want more of an audience experience with them, or is just scheduling is bad? Well, so when I go, well, one scheduling is always terrible at Toronto. You hit the nail on the head with that. I go there because it's what we use uh, where I work when I do curation work at the Burns to figure out like what we're going to play mm-hmm. um, in the in the months and you know sometimes in the year to come. Um, 
And there's like, you know, over 300 films. And so there's no way you're going to see them all. And some stuff I just know I'm guaranteed to open anyway. Sure. Yeah, um, that makes sense. So, you know, sometimes I just skip those because it's like, well, there's no way I'm not going to play X. So yeah. I'll go see some tiny film instead uh, to try to, like, you know, expand what that is. Because a lot of time, too, it's stuff that, like, doesn't have distribution in the U.S. yet. Mm. A lot of stuff gets bought there by, you know, domestic companies and stuff. But a lot of the time you'll see shit and it's just like gone forever. Yeah. Um, so I try to do that stuff. So I try to like keep a balance because also like, you know, obviously going to see Halloween, that's just like, that's for me. That's an yeah. Andrew's greening. Um, you have to give yourself a treat every once in a while. You absolutely do, or else you go fucking crazy at festivals <laughs> like that. Um, so, so that's why I was there. And yeah, so I, I skipped... A Star is Born, because I knew, you know, like, Chelsea wanted to see it. Yeah. And I was like, well, I don't know that I'm going to want to see this two-hour and 15-minute movie twice. Uh, so I, I didn't see it there. But everybody was talking about it. Uh, and honestly, I, we saw it on Sunday, like, rightfully so. It's totally charming and devastating, and the two of them are great. It is a little too much of the, listen, Bradley Cooper, like, you directed this movie, maybe get the camera out of your own face as much. Maybe a couple of thousand close-ups i heard <laughs> yeah there's something there there's a lot of tight right on his face um <laughs> but dude two of the biggest takeaways from that movie uh andrew dice clay is fabulous as I've her heard. father holy shit dude i was like almost in tears and this is the dude who's like little miss muffet a thousand cigarettes a day and here he is playing this like you know weathered old Football hey, of a father. Hey, you can, you and me, we can make a bad romance. Okay. <laughs> oh Lord. Yeah, dude. Of course, he was like a disciple of Sinatra in the movie. He oh, owns God. a limo company. Oh, like, that's uh... the whole thing. And then also, dude, some fucking grade A dog acting. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, dude. Oh, and it's Bradley Cooper's own dog. Oh, well, that's nice. Yeah, a personal <laughs> touch. I, I kind of like that. Um, but yeah, you know, so the 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 season sort of kicked off with that. Did you, uh, can I ask you, did you uh, find it, I mean, I don't know how many versions of the story you've seen before. Did you, uh, did you feel any difference in between them? I mean, I, I haven't seen any of them. I okay. haven't seen the Judy Garland. I haven't seen the Barbara. I haven't seen the one from the 30s. Uh, but it's all, it's all like the same story. Yeah. It's a fucking washed up dude or, you know, just a dude who's aging out of whatever and, you know. Transition. Makes this new ingenue famous. Um so it's the same thing. So that was kind of weird. I knew it was the same thing. So you're sort of like waiting for it mm -hmm. to, to do what it does. Um, but this is interesting. I was reading a piece from uh, Samuel Adams. uh was writing for, for Slate about how this one is, you know, they've been trying to get this remake made for a really long time, but it was like uh, uh, oddly fitting for the time because it's like, it's like that... Um, like we stop worshiping rock stars in the way that we once did, and now we take that worship onto pop stars, yeah, kind of a thing. So Bradley Cooper, it's weird because it's like they sort of make him look like he's going to be a country musician in the movie, and I guess he sort of kind of is. There's cowboy hats and whatnot, but like the first song you hear him playing, it's like a fucking Pearl Jam song, hmm. um, pretty much. So it's like that rock grunge thing, like that's going the way of the buffalo, and here comes like. Essentially, a Lady Gaga esque pop star. That's what's interesting about the movie to me too. Another reason it's interesting is like it's basically her story, mm -hmm. like her real life story. Um, so that was kind of you know good casting on, on I the mean, film's part. That is actually good to hear because I was a little worried uh, it was just going to be Crazy Heart. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I was a little worried there for a moment. Nobody gets lost in a mall. Oh, well, thank God for that. Movie. Oh, but also the other uh, dude bringing tears to my eyes, fucking Sam Elliott. Oh, yeah. Holy His crap. father, right? No, dude, get this, his older brother. Oh, okay. It's a thing where Bradley Cooper says that their father had him when he was like in his late 50s or something. Mm. Um, so Sam Elliott's his brother, and like, it's just heartbreaking. I, it's... It's the best thing. It's the best non-Big Lebowski thing that Sam Elliott's ever done. That's that's high praise. <laughs> um, so that sort of kicked things off. So we're in this mode. You and I saw Venom last Friday. God. So, you know, sp- the, taking the good with the bad. Yes. So all we'll say about that right now is stay tuned. Yeah. Um, oh, and as I said on Letterboxd, shout out Melora Walters for playing a homeless person. Homeless? Oh fuck yeah! Yeah. Oh, her like his homeless buddy. Yeah, John C. Riley wasn't there. Couldn't get her. (laughs) Couldn't get her this time. Um, So a big, uh, another big studio thing, sort of coming down the line for this awards season, uh, is Widows. Yep. Uh, The new movie from Steve McQueen, who did Twelve Years a Slave. Uh, Hunger was him. Hunger, shame, shame. That was the other one. Was there? Has there been something between Twelve Years and this? I don't think so. I think this is this is the next thing. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because Twelve Years a Slave was sort of riding the line between like art house and like massive release. This is just like this is like big twentieth century Fox. Like uh, Twelve Years a Slave, I believe, is Fox Searchlight. So like their art house branch. Yeah. But like this is big Fox. This is like Viola Davis fucking kicking ass in this movie. I saw this at Toronto also. Um, it's going to be one of the big movies for for the fall awards. Winter awards season time stuff. I mean, that's always the best is when you have a director of that kind of standing doing like poppy genre stuff. Exactly. It always does come out with a certain flavor that other ones don't have. And that's exactly what I was thinking when I was watching it was like, you could put this in the hands of like some dude who directed another like lesser Liam Neeson movie. Liam Neeson plays her husband in this. Um, you could just have a dude who directed like a Taken, and you could just make a shit heist movie, mm-hmm. and it would be awful. But what's awesome about this is exactly what you said. You're taking like an actual talented seasoned director that's made like some gripping fucking cinema, mm-hmm. and placed him in this project that is essentially just yeah, it's like a crime heist thriller, but like just that much higher. I mean, I, I am, I am. Hugely pro victory laps. Yeah. After you make something like Twelve Years a Slave, you should go and have. I know he was trying to make like an HBO show or something in between that uh-huh. went nowhere. Oh, really? Um, like I think they just bailed on the concept. But um, I always believe that after something like that, have fun, do something, something big, and yeah. I mean, even if it doesn't have the what could have the same social importance as Twelve Years a Slave, but like right, and that's you know this isn't going to do that, but. It's fucking great because it's also, it's not a squandered victory lap. No, it's totally good. She's awesome, uh, Viola, that is. Michelle Rodriguez, Elizabeth Debicki is really good in it. Um, Liam Neeson. You got Robert Duvall floating around in this movie. And my beef with it, though, dude, Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell is supposed to be playing like a born and bred, uh, like fourth generation Chicago politician. Mm-hmm. And he just sounds like he's fucking shit in the Emerald Isle. Like, <laughs> I don't know why he, cause he's tried to cover up in the past. I don't know what the hell he's doing here. 
It's just him sounding like an Irish guy. Just make him adopted. Yeah. <laughs> this is so easy. Every time they do this, I'm going to just say he's adopted. Yeah. Um, and then what's cool, too, is you've got... There are some, like, actors that pop up in just, like, bit one-scene roles. Mm-hmm. And it's got to be, like, just purely because you wanted to work with McQueen. Because yeah. you've got... Um, uh, like Jackie Weaver's got a small role, Carrie Coon's got a small role, John Bernthal, Garrett Dillahunt, uh, Lucas Haas <laughs> for two seconds. Um, and But then some great also supporting turns. Dude, Brian Tyree Henry. This guy's here. Dude, he's fucking killing it. And he's awesome in this movie. He's Colin Farrell's like political opponent. <laughs> and then uh, Daniel Kaluuya is like his fucking crooked right-hand man. Hmm. Daniel Kaluuya is fucking terrifying in this movie. Like bone-chilling, terrifying. Well, it's good to be on the other side of Get Out then, where <laughs> like you were just spending the whole movie being terrified. Now you get to be the tormentor for a little bit. Exactly right. Uh, something I saw at Toronto that I don't know when it's coming out, but I want to mention it briefly because I want to give the warning to all. Okay. Dude, the new Neil Jordan movie. I had heard a bit about this. Greta? Yeah. Dude, so it uh, Focus Features picked it up. They spent like $4 million on this movie. It's Isabelle Huppert and Chloe Grace Moritz. Um, and then in a small role is like the friend Micah Monroe from... Um, it Follows. It Follows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, and Steven R- Rhea, Ray. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's a Neil, Neil Jordan, Jordan movie. movie. Yeah. But it's like... Dude, it is Chloe Grace Moritz makes friends with uh, Isabelle Huppert. And then, like, Isabelle Huppert, their relationship takes a turn. That's all I'll say. But, like, dude, Isabelle Huppert, everyone was like, oh, my God, look how much fun she's having. I was like, no, she's embarrassing herself. (laughs) This movie is embarrassing for everybody involved. I fucking hated it. Oh, I, uh, do you think that people are just going to be like, since she got all the uh, attention for L um, and things to come? I wonder if now she's just actually going to get a lot more like big roles like this in like I hope stateside releases. I hope that she gets large roles in other stateside releases. I just hope they're better than this. I, I, yeah. This movie, it's it's a thing where. And I don't like when this happens. A movie gets made, it's bad, and then everybody's like, oh, it's good because it's a B movie? No, it's not like B caliber. It's just a bad movie with a terrible fucking script. Mm-hmm. And Isabelle Huppert, like, literally, like, dancing around, like, being this dangerous, psychotic, whatever. And it just, it did not work for me. I was fucking screaming to the rafters afterwards. <laughs> I will be interested to see uh, what anybody what anybody thinks of this movie um but to get into something we both saw uh just to kind of crack that nut a little bit um something that played both in toronto and the new york film festival uh newberry jenkins yeah if beale street could talk i loved this i yeah. absolutely loved this i gotta tell you i gotta see it a second time yeah so the quick story about this when we saw it in toronto it's um it's an adaptation of a james baldwin book um and baldwin's writing is always very like I wouldn't say stream of consciousness, but it's a lot of like dreamlike. We're just floating from one scenario to the next. So clearly, uh, narration would play a, a key part, kind mm-hmm. of a thing. Um, but when we saw this in Toronto afterwards, we came out. We were like, "What was with that filter that Barry put on the voiceover? Mm-hmm. You couldn't understand a thing that she was saying." And 
it like ruined the movie for me. Huh. Just apps. I was like, I can't hear what she's saying. And then other parts, the music was like drowning out the dialogue. I was like, this is a mess. I can't believe it. Like, I know there's a lot of pressure on your follow up to Moonlight, but damn, dude. Um, but then Chris Cabin, as you can weigh in. I think I had a bad experience it's, at my screening. It's possible because, I mean, I do know the sections you're talking about, and I didn't feel like uh, either overwhelmed either. I mean, there are definitely parts where I think he puts the music up just as, like, just to let you know that life is still going on, yeah. even beyond the frame of his his movie, mm-hmm. to give that at least that uh, feeling. Um, but, yeah, I loved it. I think it is a, a growth. It's way faster... Um, uh, than Moonlight, I thought. I thought the pacing uh-huh. was much more like snap, go, 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 go. Yeah. Um, but it didn't lose any of the heart of it. Um, I, 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 it's an, a beautiful portrait of New York at the time. Um, separates its time between Harlem uh, and then like the West Village. Yeah, and uh, incredible. I mean, we were just talking about uh, Brian Tyree. Uh, he has a great scene in it. Oh my god, dude! Really he- incredible scene. <sighs> That's like the dude. That's like the monologue of the year. Uh, yeah, I would uh, incredible, incredible moment. And uh, Coleman Domingo's got a really good role as her father. Oh, that dude is awesome. He was and, unbelievable and I think, in this movie. I was asking Chelsea because he's a big theater actor, and I wanted to say we saw him in something, uh, either on or off Broadway. But I couldn't. Rem- I couldn't place him. But what has he done? <laughs> His film wise or TV? He's, TV, he was big. I don't know. I didn't watch past the first season, uh, but he was big on Fear of the Walking Dead. Oh, yeah. I didn't watch more than the yeah. pilot of that program. Yeah, you, yeah, who could? Yeah, who would? Who um, could care? Dude, the day of the zombie is done. I don't know if, <laughs> don't know if anybody's told anybody else. Well, but. just Walking Dead in general, we should get. We should season be. nine. I saw that the <laughs> other day. I was like, holy fuck. That means I've been not watching that show for like five years. Well, also, to be. Like advertising it as like this character is going to die, right? Like, like Rick, right? Yeah, like I'm he's like, done. Is that the yeah, idea? And I'm like, well, why? Why am I watching? What the fuck? You're just gonna build it up, and I'm just gonna know he's dead in a little bit. All That's, right, it's trash. Like what if you're hell? killing, don't don't pass the torch on a show like yeah. that. And I don't. And for folks at home, I know the comic is still going on. I don't even know if Rick is still in it. I don't care. I, I'm so I, I. You can love it. It's fine. I'm just so over zombies. Sure. It's just I cannot. I actually I walked out of a movie at Toronto. It was a film from Germany, uh, and it was. I just looked at it like sort of briefly. Um, stepped in. Up oh, zombies, huh? Oh, we're boarding ourselves up inside this compound, this makeshift oh, compound. I think I've heard of this. Yeah. And I was just like, no, I can't. <laughs> I cannot suffer. The undead anymore. That said, uh, I am screening a crazy fucking zombie film from from the eighties at the the Burns Halloween Marathon called Zombie Three. But that's like Italian Filipino insane shit. Old, I mean, it's just up till now. Old zombies are still you. You can find <laughs> right. new treasures everywhere. <laughs> just no new zombies. Treasures. Done with it uh, <laughs> until you really got a good one. Um, so something that's been sort of on the minds of everybody uh, attending both festivals this year is just the endless and very in-your-face powerful presence of Netflix, uh-huh. um, which we can get into. A lot of people have a lot of opinions about this. Me, as someone who works in theatrical exhibition during the day, 
me no like. Uh, <laughs> you know, and and f- and for folks who don't aren't hip to it, the the basic idea is like Netflix buys a lot of great movies. They buy a lot of bad movies, mm-hmm. but they buy a lot of great movies now because they're just you know they got all the all, all that the, invisible money. What are you gonna <laughs> spend it on? This is where your fucking you know ten dollars a month is going or yeah. whatever. Um, they buy all these great movies and then they don't let uh, theaters play them in their theaters. It's crazy. Uh, it's easier to get a Netflix documentary um, to play. Really? It's, it's a weird thing where, like, if you go to the filmmaker of a Netflix doc, if you can get in touch with, like, their production company or whatever, I think there's some generic Netflix, o- Netflix like, doc-only clause hmm. that says, like, filmmakers can bring the movie wherever they want to if they can, like, supply their own DCP or whatever. Because we've done a bunch of Netflix docs. Mm-hmm. Um, but the narratives are much harder. Like, obviously, I'm not going to get Alfonso Cuaron on the phone and be like, hey, man, you have the best movie of the year. Let's bring it to the burns. Like, that shit ain't going to fly. No. So all these people are pissed off, and it's like, you know, the thing is, for Netflix, Netflix wants to win Oscars. Yeah. That's their whole thing. The only way you can qualify to win an Oscar, or to be nominated, that is, is if your film plays uh, for one week in a theater in both New York and Los Angeles. That's the rule. It's a different set of rules for docs that changes constantly, so I don't know exactly Hmm. what that is. But for narratives, it's a week. um, But with these big... So the focusing specifically on Roma, the new Alfonso Cuaron movie... Uh, which I loved. It's amazing. It's an incredible you, movie. You, you and I were in the same screening. Everybody knows this now. If you've heard anybody talk about Roma at this point, you know it's fucking incredible. Mm-hmm. Your grandmother probably called you to tell you that Roma <laughs> is incredible. Yeah, I don't know a single person that's disliked it. I'm sure somebody will have some fucking killer think piece about why it's terrible. Oh, oh yeah. Um, so I, I wait for those. But So everybody wants to play this movie. It is a movie, I mean, from having seen it on a big screen... You guys see it on a big screen. You have to. See it. That, that that's what makes no sense about this. Yeah. So, but this is the this is the the quandary though. So, uh, Quaron designed the movie to have a Dolby Atmos uh, soundtrack to it, which I honestly found distracting. I don't know if you found it uh, found this to be true during the screening, but like the way the sound was mixed, so it's supposed to be like this all encompassing atmosphere. Yeah. You know, for the sound. Parts of it in the movie, it sounded like people were just talking in the theater behind me. Oh, yeah. I mean, I get that every once in a while. It doesn't bother me too... Unless it goes on for a while. Yeah. It doesn't really bother me too... Like, I, uh, a lot of the home scenes with all the kids, I felt like when they were off in other rooms, you could hear them off in the other rooms. Right. And that's that's what its purpose is. But, like, for this movie in particular, it was so distracting to me, at least. You know, mm-hmm. I kept being like, who the fuck is talking? Yeah. And then I'd be like, oh, it's someone talking in Spanish. Oh, it's the movie. Yeah. Um, so the, the stipulation to play this movie, and this is where the problem is happening. The stipulation to play this movie is that you have to, for now, unless they back down from this, you have to be equipped with Dolby Atmos sound system. The problem is this movie is an art house film and no art houses have this. No. Um, Lincoln Center has it because it's Lincoln Center and they have all the fucking money in the world. But like we don't have it at the Burns. You know, Film Forum doesn't have it. Uh, You know, independent art house theaters all across the country that are dying to book this film don't have Dolby Atmos. But, I mean, is it more of, is the subject more uh, art house than the actual movie? Because like after Gravity, one would assume any any company would be like, 
I want to play. I, like anybody would be like, yeah, I'm going to put this in the theater. Well, that's the thing though is like I, it's it's purely because of the content. You can yeah. say from the director of Gravity and the third Harry Potter movie all you want, but the reality is it's a fucking black and white Spanish language period piece. You know, you're not yeah. getting the multiplex audience for that. Sure. Like you're just not. Um, and also, like I just feel like the atmosphere of going to see a film like this, like you don't want it to be at an AMC multiplayer. You know, it's just, for me, going to those kinds of movies is for, you know, superheroes and the action movies and okay. the big dramas and whatever. Yeah. But, like, there's something about this movie. It needs to be in independent theaters. That's where the audience for this movie is. You're not going to get the same audience at the multiplex. Just let art houses book this movie because, dude, I'm on these email chains with these these people in all these theaters across the country that have the exact same job that I do that are, like, this movie's fucking amazing, and we want to play it, and we want to make you more money, Netflix. What the shit? But it's, I mean, I think it's just them. And, I mean, I, I agree it's a poor way to do it, but it's a way of cementing their brand as the at-home brand. I mean, like, yeah. but it, it, in this situation and another, the other situation would be um, the uh, unfit or newly finished Orson Welles movie, The Other Side of the Wind. Yeah, we can get into that. These are two movies that, like, I think there is going to be a dramatic difference between watching them on a small screen than versus being overwhelmed by them on the big screen. Oh, you're totally right. I mean, I can tell you just from having seen The Other Side of the Wind, um, if I was watching that for the first time, like, on my TV, I wouldn't be paying attention. It's just, it's, it's a movie that is such a weird, like, fever dream and feet of crazed editing yeah. and sound that like there's nothing like it. i've never seen anything like this thing it's insane and so it's this nightmare fever dream hollywood party over the course of a night basically yeah. like he brings everybody from the studio back to his ranch and they have an insane party and it's just a drug-fueled jazz-fueled nightmare. I mean, it's just like, it's a nightmare. The yeah. movie, it's a nightmare. It's in, I mean, you, you have to see it to know what it is. It's just an incredible thing. Um, and I do think, I mean, because that's not true of, like, I saw Private Life and I loved it. The Tamara on the, Jenkins on movie. The, on the Tamara Jenkins movie. That just came out this past Friday, I think, on Netflix. That is a movie that I think you could, I, I liked seeing on the big screen, but you're not going to lose that much going from big to small screen on that one. Well, it's like a talky-talk movie. Yeah, I mean, movie. I mean, she she always shoots very well. Uh, I forget who shot it. Um, mm-hmm. But, um, and I, I assume the same uh, is true of 22 July, The Green Grass. Oh, which just came out like today, today. or something. It came out yeah. today. Um, whereas I, I don't think, I mean, maybe the sparseness of it looks better on the big screen. But like, it, it is something that doesn't lose that, Feeling, and yeah. I do think you're going to lose that feeling in Roma and the other side of the wind. You're going to watch my movie from a fucking couch, you know? Like, I can't get, get those potato chips off your shirt. Or <laughs> give them to me. Um, something that is getting theatrically released the end of November um, that we, I think, will differ on. We will differ on this. Um, it's the new one from Greek director Yorgos Lanthimos. Yep. It's the favorite. Uh, with Olivia Coleman, Emma Stone, and Rachel Weisz. Mm-hmm. Uh, some other fo- Mark Gaddis is in it. Uh, uh, the kid from Billy Lynn's uh, Long Halftime Walk. Oh, yes, that dude. And then uh, Nicholas Holt. Yes. Um, which was weird in that movie seeing him and Rachel Weisz because he's the boy in About a Boy. That's right. And I forgot like about that. The 
the mom or the lady friend or Hugh Grant's lady Hugh friend. I don't Grant's, remember that movie. I think Hugh Grant's lady friend. I don't think she's the mother. Or maybe I'm completely wrong about that. No. I, 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 I've, it's been a while. Um, but So that was weird. I was like, you were like a kid with her in a movie once, and now you're like, you know, well, not, not seducing her or anything. But it's just, just weird seeing Nicholas Holt grow up like that between that and like the weird role in The Weatherman. The Weatherman? With Nicolas Cage. Yeah, I remember that movie. Where What's like he in that Gil movie? Bellows, it's his son and Gil Bellows like has a weird relationship with him. I don't remember that at all. It's really something else. I only saw that movie because they used the fucking Iggy Pop song on the trailer and that hooked me. I mean, it's Verbinski. I'll check out Verbinski every time. I'm not particularly fond of all of them. Did you see that like sci-fi movie he had? Uh, that super long thing last year that nobody saw? Oh, Valerian? Yeah. No, no, no. No, that's, no. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, it's like a sort of horror movie. Oh, a cure for wellness. Yes. That is trash. <laughs> um, I got you. Very, very nice looking, but trash. <laughs> Complete trash. I see. Um, so the favorite, uh, Yorgos Lanthimos. So he's the dude who did Dogtooth, Alps, The Lobster, uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer. This is his, by far, his biggest movie. Yes, that I um, agree with. It will also, I, I think we would also agree on this, that it's, and we won't talk about spoilers here, obviously, these movies aren't out, um, his most accessible film for, like, a more general audience. Probably. That that seems uh, correct. I mean, Killing of a Sacred Deer was pretty vicious. It's still, I mean, it was a big cast, but it was still in his vein of, like, holy shit, this is a mean, violent, weird movie. Yeah, like, this, it feels weird because that felt like more of a throwback to his Dogtooth days, whereas both, this feels much more like The Lobster, Mm -hmm. in that it's more about mean-spiritedness and cynicism than it is, and cruelty, of course, uh, uh, Emotion, like it, it's not about violence so much. Absolutely, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But you know, there are there are tastes of it everywhere. Um, and so it's Olivia Coleman is playing Queen Anne, uh, and 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 Rachel Vice and Emma Stone are cousins who are like vying for her attention. Yes, uh, you know, both romantically and politically and socially in everywhere. Um, you know, who will indeed become. The favorite. Mm-hmm. Watch and find out. Um, but you and I split on this. Without giving any spoilers, can you say what didn't work for you in the movie? I felt like he kind of had one idea. Um, uh-huh. And, like, I have nothing against, like, this is specifically, like, the worst Yorgos Lanthimos movie I'm still probably going to enjoy watching. Right. Because I like the actors he gets. I like the way he shoots his films. Mm-hmm. I'm This, I thought, was maybe his worst edited movie. Um, I, there were a lot of shots where I was like, you could have let that play out. And I would have, I, I, like, I felt like he cut the spell a little too often. Mm -hmm. Um, but I guess, yeah, my, my feeling was like, oh, so the point is rich people are bad. (laughs) Well, okay. I don't know, dude. I think some people around here still need that reminder, apparently. Sure. Um, but that's, that's like the big, uh, uh, Fox searchlight awards grabbing yeah film for the fall emma stone's in it so it's an award <laughs> i mean it's gonna it's gonna happen yeah uh and i, I think the three of them are, are quite good in the movie oh they're i mean olivia um, coleman is just she's she's best. the best she was my favorite yes my favorite as well <laughs> I, I mean even from peep show like i've just I've oh always, I know. i've always loved her it was interesting like knowing her mainly from things like peep show uh, and mitchell and webb where it's like more like outright comedy yeah um and i did watch uh first season of Broadchurch. you can fucking take that season two and shove it i didn't see this i like the first season though i think there's even a third one there is jesus christ but 
she was great on that first one. But anyway, I predominantly know her from like big comedy. So this is like she's doing like cruel comedy and in times like gross out comedy in a way. And I was like, oh. But then also at the same time being like an amazing dramatic actor. Well, yeah. And she's coming up on The Crown, speaking of Netflix. She's yeah, yeah. taken over for Claire Foy. Um, she's fucking stellar yeah. in, in that movie. And she finds the sensitivity without letting it like become like, oh, maybe she's good. No, like just showing those little bits of like yeah, yeah, with yeah. the rabbits and everything. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I, I've, in The Night Manager, she was great too. Um, and I think both. Uh, Emma Stone and Rachel. It's nice seeing Emma Stone like this. Yeah. Because I, I like seeing her out of her element a little bit more. Yeah. Like, I would love to see her do more stuff like this. Yeah, no, this is like a total reach for her. I mean, she even said we were at the, the press conference for the screening, mm-hmm. which these things, Jesus, you just want to fucking... Oh, God. You just want to start hoping you start choking on coffee and die in the theater. These questions are so bad that these people come up with. Like that, remember that dude? This dude's like, so what was it like uh, working with all those rabbits on the set? Wouldn't it have been easier to just do CGI? And I was like, yo, motherfucker, you want to talk about rabbit wrangling or you want to talk about this great movie we just watched? Fucking rabbit questions, dude. I will never forget. I went to see The Social Network at New York Film Festival. And the first, Justin Timberlake was there. So the first fucking question wasn't about the movie. It was this asshole, like a guy who's like known for being an asshole. Looks like a fucking member of Dinosaur Jr. Um, (laughs) Just is like, hey, so uh, do you know when the release date for your Yogi Bear uh, soundtrack song's going to be? Oh, dude. And Timberlake, to his credit, was like, "Uh, yeah, next question. Nice. And would just, like, brush it right off. Uh, Uh, Sir, follow-up question. Are you indeed saying you will be bringing sexy back? And if so, (laughs) when? I just hate it. It's just the most dumbass questions. But anyway, Emma Stone in that press conference was talking about how out of her element she did feel. Um, One of the things being she was literally the only person, uh, she was the only American in the entire cast, production, anything. Um, And so that really sort of challenged her. And, you know, she's doing an accent and like the whole thing. And like she's so good, but it's so not what you expect Emma Stone to be. Yeah. Uh, so I, th- I thought that was awesome, too. Um, Fox Searchlight also has uh, Can You Ever Forgive Me? Yep. Which was at Toronto. That's um, that's a really interesting movie. Uh, I won't say too much about it, but it's it's Melissa McCarthy playing uh, the writer Lee Israel, mm-hmm. who, you know, she was famous for doing, like, biographies of, like, celebrities and shit. Like, she wrote a, a really successful, like, Catherine Hepburn biography, and she falls on hard times. This is, like... Uh, it's like New York City, ni- early 90s is when it's set. Um, so she starts forging uh, correspondence, supposedly, from like decades dead uh, writers mm. is the idea. And selling them to like auction houses oh, yeah, and yeah, shit yeah, 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 to like make money. Yeah. Um, and it's her and Richard E. Grant is like her, her buddy and partner in crime. I heard a lot about him. They're both great. Okay. It's, I mean, I loved it. Melissa McCarthy, like, I feel like I got burned out on her, like, broad comedies. This movie, I'm happy to report, she doesn't fall over once. (laughs) Uh, I mean, she's really, she's truly good. She's almost unrecognizable Hmm. uh, as Lee Israel. um, She's really great. And yeah, I mean, Richard E. Grant, the dude can do no wrong. Yeah. Um, So that's another thing. They're coming out with that, actually, in a couple weeks. I don't know how well it's going to hit the awards season circuit or anything like that but i i do think it's something worth checking out at least um 
I'd imagine they probably will get uh, Golden Globes knobs just from what they've been building that movie up to be. I'll tell you the other thing, though. Uh, if you are someone who watches that trailer uh, and you're like, that doesn't look like the movie for me, it's a horrible trailer. Yeah. It's trash. And it doesn't represent what the movie is at all. Uh, and I think it's going to actually wind up doing them like a disservice. But anyway, really good. Uh, those are the only two things that Fox Searchlight has this award season. We'll see what happens because, like, I mean, they were big. Shape of Water, Three Billboards, those yeah, were both that was a big, uh, a big year last, last year. year. Um, to touch on one thing from New York Film Festival that uh, is very small, and who knows who's going to get to see it, uh, the Japanese film Asako 1 and 2. Uh, incredible. Uh, well, d- somebody has it, right? I think it's Grasshopper Films yeah, might I think have has, it. They have it. Um, it's from a director who did Happy Hour Happy was his Hour. last movie. Uh, he did. Uh, he's he's done a few other ones, but Happy Hour was his big breakthrough, at least on the art scene. A a five hour uh, Japanese melodrama isn't exactly going to break through at the <laughs> multiplex necessarily. No, not at all. Um, but so this movie is really fascinating. It's about a woman uh, named Asako who uh, has this boyfriend who's kind of like this doofusy sort of like bad boy guy, uh, and he leaves her. Uh, quite suddenly, and she finds a dude who looks exactly like him, mm-hmm. uh, but he's like a straight shooter. It's the same actor yeah, yeah, yeah. playing playing both of these people. Uh, looks exactly like him. He's like a straight shooter, working class guy. They fall in love and start a life, blah, 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 blah. Um, and it's this weird, like, did she get with this dude just because she he looks exactly like this other guy or what the deal is? And it's just like... Such a well-made. It was just one of those like, goddamn, that's a good movie. Yeah, and it's it's very um, sort of interestingly structured, I think, and and the way the story sort of unfolds, yeah. is is quite interesting. Um, and he even said in an interview, like, I kind of wanted to make the exact opposite of Happy Hour. So like like you said, five hour mm-hmm. melodrama. He was like, I just wanted to make a weird movie that intentionally doesn't entirely make sense. Yeah. And I was like, you know what, dude? If you can get out in front and just say, I wanted to make a movie that kind of doesn't make sense, <laughs> but is totally charming all the same, I will get on board with that. I, I think all directors, uh, any director, you want to get out of the path of the train, just come out and write, say, any Marvel movie, just be like, that, this is nonsense. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> um, uh, the dude's name, by the way, is, uh, I, uh, I'm probably going to butcher this, but Ryosuke Hamaguchi yeah. uh, is the director. It's a really, uh, I mean, it, it it just pulls you in, and it's very, I like when movie, and this is an Altman thing, clearly, where like you, all the little characters that you might think are just going to drift away yeah. become characters. Like They are built on, and they, they yep. do work on them, and they become really, really central to what works about the movie yeah um so i i really enjoyed that as well we both saw that the new york film festival was at it was at both um let's get into just real quick to sort of start uh winding down here a couple of like our opinions about some of the big studio things to come yeah uh two that are coming into the theaters with a trail of uh controversy behind them let's say so um Fantastic Beasts Two, mm-hmm. Trials of Grindelwald, or Trials whatever the of who fuck. Who gives a shit? Like I couldn't. Like please uh, stop. So the controversy, of course, is Johnny Depp's a fucking abusive piece of shit, and in a movie where, like, that last one ends, where it's like, 
oh, this dude that you thought was Colin Farrell the whole time is actually Johnny Depp. So it's like, all right, shape-shifting, we're in the land of fucking wizards, why don't you just make him a different actor? Yeah, Um, it it makes no sense. And, like, for Jiki, like, she came out with this whole apology or, like, reasoning thing on Twitter uh that is just complete nonsense. And I'm like, just, you don't, I understand the international market's going to take a little bit of a hit, but it's worth it. For the righteousness in this situation. You could have just fixed it. And honestly, I don't think anyone would have really cared. No. Um, and then also coming in, too, is I guess he's getting the credit for it. Brian Singer's Bohemian uh. Rhapsody, even though a motherfucker walked off the set. Yeah. Uh, it's a weird, like, union thing where he's... I don't, I don't know the exact logistics and behind it, but he is still getting the credit, even though some other dude had to pick up the slack and finish the movie. I think it was the guy who did Eddie the Eagle. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh, well, in that case, I don't know. Um, Uh, But so this is, of course, the story of Queen and Freddie Mercury. And the the controversy, which actually might be a non-troversy, is that apparently some people were saying that... uh, the his HIV and bisexuality was cut out of the movie, and honestly, that was a thing that was based off of a fucking trailer. And I think that shit has to stop. Like Rami Malek has come out and said, "No, HIV is in the movie. His bisexuality is in the movie." And then you see these new trailers that they cut. They're they're putting it in there. They so, learned. They so learned all of this knee jerk, like, oh, <laughs> you know, you got to stop it with trailers. Um, you just you just have to. I think it looks pretty good. And from the there's early reports right now that he's fantastic. Oh, I'm sure he's um, good. I I have no doubt. My Rami Malek is fucking incredible. Weird thing you're seeing at the tail end of these trailers, though, is that it's being offered in like large format, like IMAX shit. Like just just go to a theater. No, yeah, I, I don't. come on. What are we doing? Just to see the crowd at like who exactly. Cares? It's a biopic. I don't give a shit. No, nobody cares. And it's like, so dumb. It is. I mean, I think the 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 controversy is going to end up being more about the uh, uh, a matter of degree. Like, yeah. I, I think there when you're making a movie about Freddie Mercury, who was such a gay icon and was so like open about that stuff, like that's just what's out there. Yeah. Um, that you should focus it more on that. I, again, I haven't seen. I, I I missed the screening earlier, uh, late last week, um, but I I, I I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt, even though singers and you know that 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 does, is a piece of shit. It does taint like, it a little bit for yeah. me. Um, uh, oh, and then speaking of non-troversy, by the way, I do want to mention it. I saw First Man at Toronto. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I think it's it's the anti-Apollo 13, and I mean that in a positive way. I like Apollo 13. Mm-hmm. It's just what I mean by that is like it is so absent of any like Hollywood melodrama of any kind. It's a movie that acknowledges like this kind of shit. Like being a space adventurer like destroys families. It destroys lives. It's hard. It's lonely. It's cold. It's there's nothing fucking sexy about it, you know. And like that's what I feel like a lot of Hollywood space movies like this do like spa- like real life yeah. space historical movies well, Apollo 13 the right stuff the personal aftermath versus the cultural importance like yeah. I mean that's I mean I, I thought you were going to talk about I mean how many American flags are in it? Well, that's what I was going to get to. <laughs> uh, guess what, everybody? The fucking flag is there. Oh, wow. Including a masterful shot, this huge wide shot of like the moon landscape uh-huh. with the earth in the background. The fucking flag is right there. 
Got the flag, bro. Well, got to have the fucking flag. I got it. Well, then I guess I have to amend my tweet. I guess Marco Rubio will jack off to this movie. <laughs> oh, he'll be jerking off, dude. Uh, but the flag, thank the good Lord above. Yes. Uh, on the moon himself. Uh, the flag is in the movie. Ryan Gosling is fucking great. Claire Foy is fucking great. Corey Stoll playing Buzz Aldrin. Odd casting choice only because I don't even think in 2018 Buzz Aldrin is as bald as Corey Stoll is. <laughs> it's possible. Uh, but Corey Stoll is great. He uh. plays Buzz Aldrin the way you would want Buzz Aldrin to be played, which is like everything he says, everybody's like, Buzz, that was a fucking dick move, dude. <laughs> it's so claustrophobic. And for the first time, I felt like you get a movie where it's like, fuck, those capsules are small. <laughs> you, <laughs> yeah. you know, like Fair. he really gets to those kind of like, it's a real like nuts and bolts meat and potato like science movie like that um and then some other things just coming down the line something that might be a stay tuned dude why are we making robin hood movies we gotta keep on making them and they all just keep getting called robin hood wasn't the ridley scott movie just yes, called robin hood it's just called, why not have like you know the archer of life or <laughs> some kind of bullshit like that archers of loaf dude but somehow it's it's <laughs> it's a fucking robin hood movie but just with like 80s indie rock or attached to do, it. Do, do, do like, you know, like there was that uh, era where you just made like Shakespeare movies, but in the modern day, Robin Hood in the middle, you know, in the 90s. Yeah. Oh, Robin Hood in the 90s. Sure. You know, he I listens to that. Archers of Loaf. He, li- he listens to uh, L7. He's wearing a, a, a flannel shirt uh, tied around his waist for some reason. And it's a crossbow, maybe. I don't oh, know. Oh, that could change. It. You I can, mean, you could do it. Dude, this movie looks like fucking shit. I, it just ju- looks like shit. It's just so stupid. Like, why these movies never do that well? Even no. when they do okay, it's like a break-even situation. Then you hope for the video market. Did anybody big direct this movie? I don't think so. And it's Taron Egerton who's yeah. in everything, motherfucker. That Elton John movie looks awesome. Yeah, that does look good. Um, and then Jamie Fox is Little John. Yeah, or like some dude who Hit the guy who trains an him. approximation of Little John. I don't even know. Ben Mendelsohn looks like he just came from the Ready Player One set. Dude, that's the thing. All of the clothing in this movie. Talk about setting it in present day. It's set in the Middle Ages, but it looks like they could be walking around in 2018. I mean, yeah, Mendelsohn's got this leather duster with this huge fucking collar to it. I was like, what is going on? Well, I, I think that's to set up an inevitable dip into the fantasy world when, Ooh. like, fucking Ben Mendelsohn turns into a dragon or who cares. <laughs> like, something like that. It can be like, yeah, we kind of we, we laid the groundwork for it. Um, all right. To quickly wrap up here, Chris Cabin. Yes. Um, uh, there's so much we didn't get to we didn't get to touch on. Aquaman's coming out. Oh, God. Uh, it looks stupid as balls. It does look like a, a, a living Lisa Frank trapper keeper. <laughs> it really does. Holy Holy shit, that is the best description of that movie I can't wait because it's going to be so fucking stupid. Um, And I got to tell you, when we saw Venom, the second, uh, uh, I almost said teaser. I mean, it is a teaser, but the stinger scene, the second stinger scene, and this isn't any spoilers, gang. It's just a scene from Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. It's a second trailer. Yeah. It's a second trailer. And I got to tell you, I don't know that I'm sold on this movie. I think it's going to be a great green out movie. Oh, that I th- could be. I don't know about this, you know, different. I mean, I get the reason why you did it. You get yeah. the female Spider-Man in it. You get the black Spider-Man in it. You get, you get Peter pig. Parker. You get the pig. There's a pig um, Spider-Man, apparently. Was that was man. news to me. I don't know who voiced it. It sounded like Gareth Reynolds, but I don't know who's voicing it. We were going back and forth in the theater. I thought it was Zach Braff, but I haven't looked it up yet. It could be. I forgot. Um, yeah, I just I, don't know. I don't know. 
Uh, I mean, we'll we'll see. I'm sure the kids will love it. But I think the the studio picture, you and I, hmm, I think it's the studio picture that I haven't seen yet for the season that I'm looking most forward to mm-hmm. is Creed 2. I think it looks excellent. I think it looks really good. I want. I'm just so like, well, what are we gonna do here? Yeah. Like, I re- like. I, I mean, I love the first one. The first one's a near perfect. Excellent movie. movie. Um. I and the, the going back to the Russia thing again. I'm like, eh, well, uh, come on, man. We got all Russia's in the news. It'd be great. You do something's in the news, trans the box office. You, you, you capitalize. <laughs> you capitalize on the news. That's what you got to do. I just don't know. I hope, dude. Even if it's like a shoving match. There's something between Rocky and, and Ivan Drago. Oh, yeah. Just, just give me, like, a locker room shove. Or just, or, like, a really mean, like, two-scene, like, a two-hander with them. Yeah, like, Dolph Lundgren's like, I'm really happy you have cancer. Or, <laughs> yeah, or something like that. And Rocky's like, oh, fuck, man, that's below the belt. Uh, <laughs> All right, I'm going to go home now. I'm in remission, man. What? <laughs> want to go eat something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's talk it over over a slice. I mean, no, nobody talks honestly to me anymore. <laughs> Kids just compliment me all the time. <laughs> oh, fuck. So that is just, honestly, it's a smidgen, I think, yeah. of, uh, of, of stuff that's to come. Oh, we didn't get to Bumblebee. Oh, no. Oh, fuck. I got to tell you, it kind of looks like it might be the best Transformers movie for what that's worth. Well, I don't yeah. Know. This is the woman, um, Haley Steinfeld from. Yeah, it is uh, Haley Steinfeld yeah, from, from uh, Edge of Seventeen and uh, the Pitch Perfects. Pitch Perfects, yeah. I was. What was the? Um, she's in True Grit, right? True Grit, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, so I'll leave it at this. Was there one movie that you saw on the festival circ uh, that we didn't get to talk about? To well, plug real quick, we talked about True Grit. I mean, uh, I saw Buster Scruggs. Um, oh, the Coen Brothers. Yes, and um, it's interesting because you know you watch Mulholland Drive. And it is a movie. There's just no two ways about it. Right. Um, but it originated as a TV series. That was the original idea for it. Correct. Whereas this, like, the transition from TV series to movie is more apparent. Like, it is very, like, here's an episode, here's an episode, here's an episode. Uh-huh. Um, and they have, like, a little transition, but nothing that makes it, like, really form together, I would say. Gotcha. Uh, unlike their recent stuff, which has all been pretty great yeah with that um but it is uh, that all that being said it is amazing it's really good Ooh. um it's um everybody is very good in it i would say a special brendan gleason has an incredible scene oh shit i didn't even know he's in it um uh what's her name da, 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 da. zoe kazan oh yeah, yeah uh she's very good in it and she's also uh there with wildlife she was there which is oh. probably IFC's only awards contender. Yeah, that's the Paul Dano film. Yeah, she it's, co-wrote it. Uh, her, Jake Gyllenhaal, Carrie Mulligan, um, and then some kid who's supposed to be like dead behind the eyes, and everybody's saying he's killing the movie. He's not that great. That's what everybody says, and I he's mean, like the main character. He has like one or two <laughs> scenes where I was like, okay, I could see where you were getting to with this. Yeah, yeah. But like it, the rest of it, I'm like, I just kind of want to see uh, Carrie do her thing because she she blows them all out of the water um so look forward to those buster scruggs is a netflix movie yes netflix also one that i don't think is going to lose much in the trade yeah i think you can watch that on tv and be just fine um and one thing i'll put out that we didn't get to to touch on it's a movie that i don't think has theatrical distribution yet somebody's going to pick it up the new movie directorial debut written and directed by max Minghella. uh 
traditionally an actor. Uh, he's on um, what what you call it there? Is he on Handmaid's Tale? Tale? Oh, Handmaid's Tale. Uh, he's the young dude um, mm. mm-hmm. on that show. Uh, he wrote and directed a film called Teen Spirit uh, with Elle Fanning. She plays a girl. Uh, she's the daughter of Polish immigrants. She lives on the Isle of Wight. Um, and she enters like an American Idol-esque singing contest. Oh, okay. Dude, it's just, it's like 94 minutes. You're in and you're out. It's so charming. You know, she, it's just, it's basically her like working her way to like the finals of a contest like this. Hmm. Um, so it's like they take her to London and it's like the whole thing. And she's so goddamn good in this movie. And it was so like, it was, I hadn't seen The Star is Born at that point. And I was like, forget A Star is Born, <laughs> like fucking Teen Spirit, man. And you will leave Teen Spirit not feeling wholly depressed uh, like you do with A Star is Born. So she's not cheerleading behind Cobain? No. Oh, no, she is not cheerleading behind Cobain, <laughs> unfortunately. I think the Teen Spirit comes from, it's the name of the American Idol type oh, show. Okay. Um, so. I will I will toss out that and the polar opposite of that. I think A24 has this movie. They might be pushing it for this year, maybe next year. Dude, the new Gaspar Noé Climax. <laughs> it's a movie where a dance company is accidentally dosed with, with a bunch of... They say it's acid, but my God, it must be PCP. You know, if you like his movies, go see it. I thought it was a total trash waste of time. It's just like, it's brutal. It's mean. It's not something we would do an episode on. You can't pull jokes out of it. Sure. It's just a mean, gross movie, like all of his I, movies. I mean, I, and like for better or for worse, I think A24 just goes for big style. Like That's Climax, it, High Life. Yeah. Um, technically speaking, Climax is amazing. Like okay. all his work, technically, it is above par you know it's really impressive the all the technical choreography with the camera and everything it's just like the content is like cool man you want to pay money to go into a theater and see a bunch of people fucking kick a pregnant woman in the stomach okay cool oh what's that this woman uh was also lit on fire oh in that guy (laughs) like what the fuck ever dude i i don't it's also like there's some moments where you're like, oh, that's racist. Okay. Uh, so there's also that. That's it's never just, good. It's just all of the world's worst sure. uh, dumped into 94 minutes. And you know what? They'll open it up downtown here in New York. It'll play for late night screenings. Everybody will come out feeling horrible. And like then it'll go away forever. It'll be at like midnight madness specials in a couple of years. Sure. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, so that is our brief look here at We Hate Movies of the Fall Winter Awards season. Um, like I said, we're going to try to do more of this kind of stuff. So as we expand, this is on the main feed just so you guys could get a, a little taste of it. But stuff like this, it'll be uh, a part of the Patreon package as that continues to... Uh, be supported by you, the listener, and we appreciate you if you're supporting Patreon. And if you haven't yet, go go give it a gander, man. Uh, Patreon.com slash We Hate Movies. So until next time, I'm Andrew Jupin. Chris Cabin. Take it easy. That was a HeadGum Podcast. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.